Adult Boot Camp Podcast. Woo-hoo. This is the podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us Canadian, one of us Americans, with cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from Coquitlam. And I'm Joanna Boyd, also a clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Port Booty. Right on. Welcome, everybody. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> we, uh, I enjoyed doing our our holiday special last week, our holiday wellness uh, last week. That was kind of fun. That was fun. I'm glad we uh, snuck that one in there. Totally, because now it feels like we are really deep into the holiday season. It's true. And That's shindigs have started. So mm-hmm. we um, went to a rotary Christmas gathering last weekend. Um, and so we did it outside. It was about, mm, I don't know, maybe three or four degrees, which would be 36. Like, oh boy. Out. So it was a uh, dress warm and had little fire pits out and it was still a potluck and had little Christmas lights everywhere. And it was delightful. Had a uh, like blue vine, like, like mulled wine. Oh yeah. 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 So we had mulled wine and. Yeah, it was great. That sounds like fun. Very festive. That sounds great. Um, I hope those fire pits were big and putting off a lot of heat. They were. They were doing its job. They're propane, so they're not super oh, yeah. hot. But yeah, I think everybody really dressed warmly, so that was good. And just a little bit of extra heat around your shins was helpful. Actually, <laughs> turned out to be a double party night. Yeah. We went to a friendship gathering after called Best Friends Plus Aaron Gift Exchange. So that was a good time as well. Some silly gifts. Wait, Best Friends Plus Aaron? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's in the title even that Aaron is not one of the best friends? That's right. Yeah. It's been going on for quite a while now, but maybe the eighth or 10th year that we've done it. So. <laughs> That's great. How does Erin feel about this shindig? Uh, she's not thrilled about it, but uh, she shows up though. <laughs> uh, Can you guys just change the name to Best Friends Gift Exchange? Like uh, include her in the Best Friends? What's the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's uh, well. It gets a chuckle from me. That's the first I've heard of it. That I hope Erin doesn't. She can listen to our holiday wellness podcast if she needs a little help. <laughs> yeah. So what was this, uh, this text you sent us, Ryan, from the CBS Los Angeles area? Well, I wanted to share that with you. Um, I don't know if you can see there's a video associated with that, but it's um, a little a town that's just like the next town over, uh, Monrovia, where there's uh, there are a couple of bears in Monrovia and Monrovia and kind of the surrounding neighborhoods have frequent bear sightings. Um, and the, uh, one of the bears is attacking one of those inflatable reindeer in the front yeah. yard. So it's like Rudolph, this blow up Rudolph and the bear is like, oh, there's dinner. So it goes up and attacks the, uh, 
the reindeer. I just watched the video right now. The uh, inflatable is gigantic. It's huge. It's huge. So the bear probably thought it was like jackpot. You know, great. Let's <laughs> go to town on it. It's, it's just standing there. Yeah. It's just standing. <laughs> not putting up a fight, not running away. It's, like, it's huge. inflatable. <laughs> goodness. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. What? Nothing says holidays in, in the foothills of Southern California like bears attacking your blow-up inflatable reindeer. <laughs> anyway and there's yeah there's two bears there but uh, the bigger one is hanging back kind of just waiting for the, the littler one to uh do the job finish it off bring you the like meat a, you know? a practice hunt yeah but i like yeah. how it ends the the bear attacking the reindeer then goes to stand with the other bear and they just look back at it probably just like it's only for the last split second but it's so good it's like what? dang thing <laughs> That was fruitless. That got us nothing. Poor guys. Yes, a little holiday magic down here. Yeah, we we like having the bears around. I mean, people get a little concerned when there's a bear in their yard. I, I lived somewhere where we had a frequent bear that would come by and knock over garbage cans and that sort of thing. And that's it's definitely a concern. Those things are large and wild, but uh, I've I haven't even, I've never heard of a bear attack here, so. Oh, good. Yeah. So we're pretty fortunate in that. Uh, wildlife come out up there? Do you guys have anything? Do you have any moose around or anything? No, not yes. locally. Not locally, but deer, you can, there are deer that come out. Yeah, and then bears, cougars, uh, wildcats. Coyotes. Coyotes. Yeah, raccoons, lots of raccoons, Mm -hmm. squirrels, lots of squirrels. Yep. Well, you mentioned moose. I saw the first moose in my life last summer. It's supposed to be this big Canadian experience, and finally saw one. It's like a disproportionate horse, like an awkward looking large horse. Very gangly, like skinny little legs and awkward big bodies. Yeah, I, I was in Alaska once and saw one just like in a nature preserve there. But uh, yeah, they are. They're disturbingly tall. They're very, very large animals. Was it an inflatable moose or was it actually an actual moose? <laughs> uh, it was an actual moose. And it was pretty, pretty cool to see up close. But yeah, I heard that. Yeah, so you guys don't really see them all that often. They must be much farther north or something from you guys? Just yeah. further east, I guess. You don't yep. really see much in the greater Vancouver area. Yeah. Ah. So maybe a couple hours out of town, you probably see them. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Well, well, we will uh, put our wildlife watch to rest here and get to our topic, shall we? Yes, I'm curious. Okay. Uh, I'm going to need some help here because I actually had this flurry of ideas today for podcast topics. And so I have three, but I'm going to make you guys vote without knowing what they are. So uh, on which one I'm going to do. So I want you to hold up a finger, one, two, or three fingers at the count of three. I'll do something. And, a different one. 
and we're gonna vote. And the, if there's if two of you have a pair of the same, then I will go with that topic. Okay. Okay. So choosing your mind is gonna be one, two, or three. Okay. Are you ready? One, two, three. Fingers. Three. Three. Two. You uh. said two, and Brooke said three, so it is three. Okay, this is good. I like this topic. I like all of them. But okay, you ready? This is the ambush. You guys don't know the topic. I do. And here it goes. This is not a very holiday topic, but that's all right. Lying. Why do we lie? How can we stop? Why do we lie sometimes to ourselves? And what impact does that have on our mental health? And what can you do when you suspect or know someone is lying to you? Wow. Good one. Yeah. I thought it was something, something brought that to mind. And are there like good lies versus bad lies? I'm wondering as well, like spectrum of lying. Like white lies. Like Like white lies. Small lies versus big lies. Dare I say it? I assume all adults listen to this podcast, but around this holiday time, there tends to be a little fibbing about things. Winky, winky. Just in case there's a seven-year-old listening <laughs> who's now going to ask questions to their parents because they said that. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. We have a huge seven-year-old reach, but who knows? Maybe someone's listening in, in their car or something, uh, dropping kids off at school. Lying. Why do we lie? Do we need to define the term or do we all know what a lie is? I think we can, uh, I think we all know what a lie is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you lie to avoid hurting someone, maybe? And I think self-preservation. Like if we are gonna feel shameful or embarrassed, so more often shame, right? Well, or embarrassment, yeah, to protect the self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a social component, trying to impress others. Perhaps. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we can lie. I guess we can lie in a way to um, obscure something, right? Like, no, I didn't spend all our money, dear, or something like to, to hide something, or we can lie to enhance something, right? Like, I just ran a four minute mile or something like that, you know? Which, uh, you know, to make us ourselves look better in other people's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, you mentioned protect someone, right? Maybe, maybe we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, so we'll tell a lie in order to uh, kind of sidestep around a topic or something that uh, that might, if they knew the truth, that might hurt their feelings, or we yeah. ex- we suspect that, right? Okay. Yeah, I think some people like on a deeper level too, um, lie for fear of like that they will be unlovable if somebody knows the truth about them or their life or their world or whatever it might be. If you knew the real me, you wouldn't like me, you would leave me a little bit of that self preservation stuff in there. But yeah. Yeah, I always use that in my my conversations about shame. That that very statement, you know, if you knew the real me, you wouldn't like me. 
so shame may be part of that, like uh, part of a motivator there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm afraid that if you saw me, you would reject me. So I will paint a different picture for you so that uh, you'll still like me, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. More people lie, like what would be a factor in someone who lies more than someone else? Is there, is there anything like that? Like, I don't know, like all those reasons, I think we probably all encountered them, but there's some people out there who definitely lie more. So it would just be that they are more worried about or have more things to hide, or they might be in situations where they are wanting to avoid conflict more, or is it something going on for them themselves or that would, yeah, encourage that line, I suppose. I don't know if that made sense. Any thoughts? I know. It's like, and silence. No, I think it's a, a good question. I'm not sure on that. Yeah, I think for people who lie more, there's definitely more going on beneath the surface there, right? Like there's a reason for it. Whether that's something like upbringing, um, like maybe their family is also kind of people that save face or like lie or make themselves look good or I don't, I don't know if it's part of family culture or if it's avoiding shame or um, yeah or even avoiding eyes on you so I think a lot sometimes people use like lying to make themselves look good because then nobody will ask further questions so it yeah kind of uh, or narcissism, I don't think, I don't know if narcissism and lying technically go together, but I kind of put them together. Um, I forgot that I, I wrote up a little something about this, <laughs> uh, about lying in therapy, which could be kind mm-hmm. of interesting because they address some of these questions. Um, so there's this, uh, there's this research group out of, uh, where was it? Somewhere back east, uh, Columbia, Columbia University. Uh, Matt Blanchard and Barry Farber. They did this study where they surveyed uh, 547 therapy clients uh, and asked them about lying in therapy. And 93% can re- recall specific times when they've lied to their therapist. Right. So it's a very common thing, even within therapy. Right. Yeah. Um, and I asked him actually, were there any factors that seemed to make some clients more likely to lie than others? And they, they looked at a bunch of different uh, factors. They looked at gender, ethnicity, education, income. It had no relationship to whether or not they were dishonest in therapy. Um, and the only pr- predictors that were significant were age and alliance. So um, People who, those who lied about one or more topics were on average four to seven years younger than those who reported total honesty. So, uh, and then therapeutic alliance, more dishonesty happening when the bond between the client and the clinician was weaker. So that's interesting, right? So if someone is significantly younger, you know, even a few years younger, they, they felt like they could lie or maybe they should lie. And that, that makes me think of like a parent child sort of dynamic, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, going to say person of authority. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. This you're you're older than me. Maybe I put you in that that camp of like yeah, authority figure or parental figure. And uh, uh oh, what if you find out that I've done something wrong or you know something I'm ashamed of? And the other part though, the the therapeutic alliance. You know, how safe do you feel in that room? If you don't feel like you're really connected with that person, then you might be less likely to take that risk and and share an uncomfortable truth, right? So I guess one of the underlying factors is fear, right? The fear of the reaction. Um, We talk about vulnerability as as well, like the fear that people actually know what you're really like, not this persona that you're trying to perpetuate. Um, Fear of consequences or punishment. While growing up, seems like it kind of might be an underlying factor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear of hurting other people, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, fear of hurting other people. I also know that that some people, like I, I can certainly tell some little white lies sometimes when it's someone who's like an acquaintance, acquaintance that I might bump into, and hey, how you doing? You know, oh, I'm doing great. How are you? You know, that sort of thing where yeah. maybe I've just had a horrible day, you know, but I, I kind of don't want to get into it with them. Like, I don't, I don't want to answer that honestly in this two minute little exchange. So I'm just doing fine. Everything's good. I'll see you later. Um, as opposed to, well, let me tell you, let me give my laundry list of things that are bad with today. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm. We're almost like uh, conditioned for that, that response, aren't we? How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm fine. Um, Even in our counseling offices, when I often I say, hey, how's your day going today? And they go, oh, good. And then you get the step in the counseling office. Well, maybe not really good. (laughs) They kind of correct themselves, right? Sure. Sure. That is certainly the case. I always find that a little bit awkward to ask clients when they first, it's just the small talk before getting in the door. I'm like, I feel like I should maybe figure out how to just ask something different yeah 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 um i had a client actually today and uh this came up a bit she uh grew up and was conditioned to not really talk about what she's experiencing emotionally and i think um even culturally as well, there's a lot of secrecy in terms of the family. Like you don't talk about personal stuff with anyone, right? But she has a very close attachment with her daughter. Um, but uh, but she's not upfront with her daughter in terms of what she's experiencing. So if she is sad or upset or, or anxious, which she most certainly is, the daughter can pick up on it. She has a gut feeling. She totally um, knows, I think deep down that her mom's struggling, but her mom will always deny it. She'll say, no, I'm fine. So we've been working a lot on how that actually probably creates more distress for her daughter because she's picking up on these social, these cues, probably implicitly, right? But uh, her mom's not being fully upfront with her. So the mom is trying to save her daughter. She doesn't want her daughter to worry about her, but in doing so, she actually might be creating more um, anxiety for her, right? Absolutely, sure. Well, because then the daughter's, unfortunately um she's getting a mixed message right yeah all of her signals say that there's something wrong mom says nothing's wrong so then the daughter can then start to doubt herself her own perceptions like huh i thought that 
you know, when I see people looking like this, I thought that means they're feeling bad. Mm. But uh, mom says that she's not. So hmm, what do I, it's which true. do I believe, you know? Or if she's absolutely convinced that her mom is, and so that may lead to more fixation or rumination and trying to understand the extent of what her mom's going through, right? Whereas if she said, you know, she, we've talked about other responses, like, say, yeah, I am actually feeling kind of anxious right now, but I'm, but it's okay. And I have some techniques I can use and I'll get through this and it'll be a totally different message, right? Yeah. Yes, you're right. I'm feeling anxious. And secondly, Hey, I'm, I'm, I can navigate through this and, and even having this conversation with you will help me. So I'll probably put her daughter's mind at ease, right? Sure. Sure. But we're often conditioned though for that initial denial. No, we're fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I think, I mean, I go to a, a developmental thing with this because I do think that this is something as you talk about being conditioned either in the family or in the family culture or even the greater, broader culture that uh, that we learn we learn to lie, right? Don't we learn that um, maybe out of early on, out of just self-preservation? I don't want to get in trouble or uh, yeah. I don't want uh, negativity to come my way, so I'll lie. And then maybe that works. And that gets reinforced because it it actually works a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we just kind of perpetuate that, right? Yeah. But also lying for other people too, right? It's a whole loyalty piece. You know, oh, you, sure. don't, you don't be a rat or you don't you don't tell the truth because your friend may get negative consequences. So maybe it's kind of a social bonding piece too. Mm -hmm. Test of a loyalty there within a friendship or within a family. That's very true. Absolutely. Yes. You get kicked out of the gang or the mob or whatever if you rat on somebody. So keep it, uh, keep your lips shut, right? Sure. You can end up like uh, Aaron, best friends plus Aaron plus whoever else, you know, breaks that code. So it's not so much you're asked something and you lie, it's almost knowing something and not giving that information or telling someone about it, like the rat situation, like, so not, you can, does that make sense? Like you're, I feel like there's a lie by omission. Yeah. Yeah. And people have different opinions on that one, but. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Or even, uh, I know it's a bit of a jump here, but modern day catfishing. Yeah. Is, is uh, a form of lying right? You're not being honest or truthful or authentic about who you are or one person isn't. Yep. Yes. I think catfishing is pretty widely used these days, but that's, that's something that's uh, often attributed to like dating sites, that sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Where you kind of misattribute, kind of maybe put the wrong pictures up or talk about yourself in ways that are just not true. Yep, misrepresent yourself. Uh huh. There's a Christmas movie on Netflix that involves catfishing. Love hard. Love hard. Yeah. Just a little plug because they do have "Baby It's Cold Outside," which is you know the creepy rapey song, but then they rewrote the lyrics, and it's wonderful. If I could download it on Apple iMusic, I would, but it's not there. 
That's in the in the movie. In the movie, yeah. Got it. But yes, mm-hmm. catfishing. So I've had a few clients through the years who said, "Look, I lie about stuff a lot, and I'm just and, and they they don't even find themselves lying about dumb things or you know um, or significant things, and they would like to stop, but they actually don't feel like they can." Have you ever encountered people like this? Yes. Yeah. Well, how can we help them or what, what sorts of thought processes go into your mind when you encounter someone like that, Brooke? Um, I think I'd probably start taking more of that psychodynamic approach with those Mm -hmm. clients of trying to figure out where is this coming from? Like, where did you learn this? Where did it stem from? How is it reinforced? What's been going on? Um, Yeah. And then trying to, get them to start changing the behaviors in a small but safe way. So if there is someone who seems to be safer to tell the truth to, even if it's a small truth, even if it's a, how's your day with a grocery teller, you know, the checkout teller, how's your day? And if you're like, oh, actually I'm a little tired today. A small truth to someone who the opinion or judgment doesn't really matter, you know? challenging the self in a little bit to see what the reaction is testing that to see that nothing bad's going to happen i think it's kind of important but people who, who do that often or are willing to bring it up in therapy are typically quite ingrained right with it ingrained but also motivated to change it right i mean that's yeah. that's part of the reason why they're coming to therapy they're like i see this and i don't like it and i want to stop it so absolutely i'm all for that mm-hmm. i i think, think it, yeah. I just think of a, a, a client who raised that as one of their issues. And, and we talked early on and, and kind of made an agreement. Okay, well, let's, let's have this be one of those safe places where you can be honest. And, uh, and she said, okay, all right, I'm going to be honest with you, or I'm going to try to be honest with you. And then many times going forward, it was like, oh, dang it, I have to be honest with you now. So here's what, you know, like making that little pact with me was was enough to kind of even bring awareness to her that, okay, here's another opportunity for me to maybe lie or tell the truth. So I'm going to go ahead, kind of jokingly, oh, I told you, I'd pro- I promised you I'd tell you the truth. So here yeah. we go. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think of uh, the mindfulness approaches as well, or little Victor Frankel a trigger and a reaction there's a space and that space is our freedom to choose our response and our response lies our growth and freedom so there is that space there but sometimes it doesn't seem like it because it's so conditioned right yeah i have had clients come in where they've mentioned they've been to therapy before but they just lied through the whole thing mm-hmm. um, so they thought they'd try it again it's often males that say that to me and to be honest i let them know i was like you know what it is completely up to you what you do with your time. And if you're going to come in here and spend the time lying to me, then that's your choice. Um, but it's going to be a lot more productive if you tell me the truth, because then we can actually work on stuff. But it's totally up to you because I'm going to get paid at the end of the day either way. So your hour is your hour, how you want to spend it. And typically when I like, you kind of have to play the person, like if it's going to go okay or not, but the people that I've played that card with they're like okay I'm ready that like let's do this like this wasn't a, a 
sometimes you have to be a little bit more direct, I think. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's good. Took a risk, but it worked. And at the yeah. end of it, yeah, that those clients tend to come back when they need to, like, and they know, like, no, I'm, I want to be here and I want this to work for me and I, I'm going to show up. Yeah. So I'm curious, so are there some lies that are not harmful? Are there some lies that are considered appropriate or even encouraged? See, that's really pickly, right? So like surprise parties? Sure. Or, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, folklore, childhood folklore. So tooth fairies yeah. and elf on the shelf and Santa Claus and Easter bunnies and... I was thinking uh, confidentiality. I had a client the other day ask me, he's like, oh, don't you see so-and-so, my friend? Uh, oh, I can't, can't say that, yeah. So sometimes we have to protect people's privacy by yeah. not choosing not to answer those questions. But I guess that may be a little different from lying, right? Refusing to, to answer or... or um, but would that be on the spectrum of like, you're not being forthcoming and truthful, but you're not being. But I also feel like the forthcoming thing, sometimes you don't have to share things if you don't want to. So you can, mm -hmm. you know, like someone might be like, oh yeah, tell me about different things. It could be like, I'd rather not answer that. Right? It's not a little, I don't know. Yeah, sure. So somebody you just met on an airplane saying, tell me the worst thing that ever happened in your life. Might be... You might not feel safe to do that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I just more thought of that when Chris said that I can't answer that question, you know, versus uh, mm -hmm. uh, maybe it is more, yeah, respect to me. So, so maybe that's some more of a solution for trying to handle those types of questions. I think you have mm -hmm. a boundary, right? I think it's good to have boundaries around things. That's yeah. a professional boundary and then people's personal lives they can choose whether or not to be sharing things with certain people yeah but yeah i know um i don't really do much couples work anymore but um when uh lying happens within a relationship a context of a relationship and devastates that sense of trust my goodness that can be a very difficult situation to navigate through or we see it a lot with parents and teens that you know, if there's a lie there, you know, to, to the parents, again, that trust is devastated, right? Absolutely. So those would be uh, examples of more, um, yeah, harmful lies that can impact trust and intimacy. Mm -hmm. Certainly. So yes, definitely the negatives of lying impacting the trust between two people. Uh, we also kind of touched on you know, if you're lying to somebody, then they're not really relating to the real you at that point, right? Like, if you're actually anxious and you say that you're fine, then the relationship is off at that point, right? Like, yeah. like, like they're not really connecting to what's really going on with you any longer. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're hiding that. Um, and those sorts of distortions can, yeah, cause all sorts of issues in a relationship for sure. Mm hmm I also wanted to touch on lying to yourself, um, which I think is maybe 
not talked about quite as often. We usually think about lies in, in the context of other people, but, uh, but I think we tell ourselves some lies at times too. And those could be both in the form of like a negative self-talk or, uh, or even something that's like a deception or a distortion that we have about ourselves, like not facing a, a reality, right? So uh, what do you think about, about self-deception in that and how that relates to mental health? Well, I'm glad that, yeah, you distinguished between the different versions, like um, because negative self-talk or cognitive distortions or negative self-beliefs often are lies. Mm -hmm. And uh, to view them that way or come to like understand or accept them as a lie, um, sometimes it's hard to accept the truth, right? Uh, well, I guess that's the whole point of the lie is because it's hard to accept the truth, right? Versus yeah. when you're lying to yourself about a circumstance or a situation that there's something you don't want to see in that situation. Right. Because you're not ready to accept that, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that, yeah, no, that's a really good one, Ryan, because I think a lot of people actually do come to therapy kind of in those situations where they kind of want the therapist to um, spit in their soup, so to say, to let them to say, hey, this is a bad thing or this is wrong. And this, like, this is what the lie is and this is what the truth is. They almost want that clarification from us. Or that's my sense a lot of the times with clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel that often there's some underlying uh, self-esteem concerns. But um, I've had clients that come in, they feel they've lived their whole life, they've lived a lie. Mm -hmm. Feeling like um, frauds. Yeah, and they say, you know what, I, I just don't live authentically or genuinely. I, I live based on other people's expectations or perceptions of myself. So we have a term called cognitive dissonance, like where you know, your, maybe your behavior doesn't quite match up to um, those underlying beliefs or values that you have about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And whether it's not, whether or not it's even safe to be that person, right? Um, I have a current client who, yeah, identifies as a lesbian. Uh, so she is gay, but she cannot come out to her family and she lives with them because there would be potentially genuine safety issues um, and housing issues and things that would happen if she were to come out. So she doesn't. Um, and in that case, is that lie bad, right? She's out with, she has a partner, her friends know, safe people know, but she, her safety would be jeopardized if she told the people she's living with. Yeah, so maybe it's more of a timing situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's risks, benefits, and risks and rewards for certain lies, and maybe some of the risks outweigh them at times. Yeah. But I think there's times where before people even get to therapy and there might be denial of some bad habits they might have or unhealthy habits, and some people might need to kind of point those out, and there might be some lack of awareness. So I don't know if that would be kind of lying to yourself, like, no, I'm fine, or it's, it's not that bad or, you know, I'm okay or I can handle this myself. And maybe people need to go through that enough times where they see 
their life being impacted in different ways and mm-hmm. they can be like oh, i've just been lying to myself this whole time like i'm i'm not okay um yeah maybe some people point out gently hey so how about this thing but maybe you have to have awareness in order for you to be lying to yourself i don't know mm-hmm. are you lying to yourself if you're not aware of a certain thing and then maybe it's after it's just that denial that makes it a lie i don't know yeah yeah, I think that's an interesting area, though, because I do believe that there are some people who just like the idea of rose colored lenses. Right. That's that's a, in a way a self-deception. Right. You're so kind of um, in love with somebody or, uh, you know, enamored of, you know, you just got this job and this job is going to be perfect. It's absolutely everything I want it to be and kind of ignoring some of the downsides. Right. And that that's a way that we sort of stoke the fires of that self-deception sometimes. Um, there's a there's an interesting, one of my favorite writers in the field, uh, Irvin Yalom, psychiatrist, wrote a book called Love's Executioner, which is really a collection of short stories of little vignettes of him and his clients. And one of the stories is Love's Executioner, where he talks about someone who comes to therapy talking about what a wonderful, loving relationship they have. And as he's listening, he realizes that, you know, there are some big cracks in this relationship. There's some big problems. And he, as the therapist kind of has to be, has to act as love's executioner by kind of dismantling this kind of rosy idea of this relationship and saying, actually, maybe it's not so great Mm. or helping the person realize that it's not so great. Um, But yeah, that's, that sort of, uh, that self-deception I think is, is pretty common. And I think it's really a big part of what we're doing in therapy is trying to hold up an accurate mirror to people and say, here's what I really, here's what I see. Um, you know, how does that match with your view of your own life or your own self? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, people also like socially, uh, sometimes people will get into the habit of, of lying or, um, uh, or exaggerating and and it's unfortunate because uh the intentions are probably to build stronger connections with others but the opposite actually takes place where people sense that you're not being authentic and genuine and that actually jeopardizes those friendships or those relationships in your life so we don't we don't really like it when we sense that someone's not being truly upfront with us right yeah well, yeah, of course, we don't like that at all, especially if they hold on to the lie, then we're in a kind of a pickle, right? Like you have this, yeah. like, you know, like like the, the daughter and mother, or I'm sure in many, if not most relationships, you know, it's like, wait a minute. You said you couldn't go out tonight, but actually you just didn't want to go out tonight or you know, something that's, uh, you know, something as subtle as that. And, and then what do you do at that point, right? Mm-hmm. yeah for sure and i think ron you mentioned the cultural piece too um i, I see it with some clients who who uh, grew up in very uh, maybe conservative religious households and um often there's a tremendous amount of deception and lying happen happening within the families right mm-hmm. i'm not to, i don't want to overgeneralize here that's not, I'm not saying that's always the case in conservative religious households, but I've just seen some of those patterns pop up. Um, sure. 
yeah, it could surround dating or, or uh, uh, yeah, all sorts of things, drinking or anything that could be seen as um, uh, shameful or uh, yeah. impacting the, the family or family's reputation. I remember back in my my graduate training, um, a uh, one of my professors was talking about doing an initial intake with clients and you know going through their history and then kind of getting into some of their their other behaviors and and saying, um, okay, then you know you're going to want to ask them how much do they drink every week, and he said, and and you just basically take that number and double it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever they're going to tell you, just double it because that's. Maybe downplaying that a little bit, which again, I think that was kind of a joke, but, uh, but there's a little truth in that. Like, again, people, we, we tend to want to paint ourselves a little, little better light sometimes. Right. Yeah. There's a book out there called everybody lies. <clears throat> I, I haven't read it, but our uh, my dad has, and they uh, analyze uh, Google searches. They cr- cross-reference that information with how people portray themselves. Hmm. And uh, yeah, some intriguing um, searches, I guess, taking place that kind of contradict some of those uh, values or, um, again, uh, how people. What kind of stuff do, you, do, do they find there? Like, what are people searching for that's different than what they're portraying? I wonder if I could find, uh, let me see if I can find something here. Okay. Kind of synopsis. I want to provide false information. <laughs> We don't want to lie, book, but they don't lie about it. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Rook, what do you think about this idea? When you suspect someone is lying to you, or even you, you kind of know even that they're lying to you. In therapy uh, or in general? Uh, I guess I'll start with in general. You know, it's a friend, it's a family member. I guess, I guess it probably depends on the issue quite a bit, you know, if it's something you're going to push or not. But I just know that's, that's a touchy topic for a lot of people. Oh, man, yeah. My family, we are the uh, liars for excuses to get out of things. For okay. sure. And I think that's very common for people, right? Like, so it's uh, somebody is sick. Somebody doesn't feel well in the house. Oh, is uh and it could be anyone like, oh, the child is sick. Therefore, the whole family is not going to come to the thing because we don't want to get anyone else sick. Mm-hmm. Or uh, typically it's something about illness is the excuse to get yourself out of something. And uh, when it's not true, it's more maybe something came up. They didn't feel like going. They were tired. They're having a bad day. There's there's a genuine reason why perhaps somebody's not going to be able to make it to a thing that they've chosen. It's like, yeah. So uh, I actually encounter this in my personal life quite a bit where I know where I'm like, no, you guys aren't, aren't sick. And especially with social media. So it's like, sorry, we're really sick. We can't come. And then later on that day, they're out doing things, something else. Right. Because it was, but the family gathering was generating too much anxiety to think of coming. I come from a family with a lot of mental health, anxiety and depression and mood disorders and different things. So it just felt like too much to come, but that's not something that we would say. We would say, I'm not feeling well, so I'm not gonna come. So um, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. So I feel like for some people or situations, 
I would follow up, like push it a little, like, how are you feeling? Do you need anything? Do you want me to bring you anything? Or, oh, I noticed, or calling it out. Like I noticed you said you weren't feeling well. Are you feeling better? Because it looks like you guys went to wherever. How was that? It sounds like you're feeling better. That's really great. So I tend to plant seeds of like, I know something's up and it's, I want you to know, I know, but I'm not going to like, if you want to talk to me about that, I'm there. Um, but I know it's going to make you very, very uncomfortable if I bring it up. So kind of, and then in a separate time to say, it is okay to let me know if it's a hard day, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's something going on there. And I think it's a really important therapeutic dynamic or a therapeutic moment to be able to say, you can genuinely tell me what's going on. You don't have to come and I'm not going to push it and I'm going to accept it. So just trying to build that like culture of acceptance within family and friends, I think is really important. But part of that isn't, because I feel like if you're going to push it, depending on what that is, that severity of what's going on, if you're going to push it too much, then they'll withdraw back of like, yeah, see, you're going to get angry or you're going to be aggressive. So I don't want to come across as aggressive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I like, I like the way you handle that. Like you're, you're pointing out the realities, right? Like, it's not like you were. Here's the discrepancy. Yeah. I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad you're not actually sick. Yeah. Keep me posted. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go with what you're going with, but like genuinely I'm going to respond in a positive way, regardless of what you tell me. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get mad at you. Right. Could there be like, um, if it's a pattern for someone where they kind of keep canceling or whatever, you can maybe just say, hey, I just noticed like, you know, you cancel a lot last minute, just want to check in to see if there's anything, how you're doing or if there's anything up or, if, you know, I'm here to talk or if there's something, you know, that you want to talk about with me or, you know, I'm not upset. I just want to kind of, I just noticed this. Exactly. Yeah. I try to take it with that as much as I can. I'm, Hey, I'm noticing that whatever it is. Sure. And is there something there that you want to talk about? Or, Cause I'm here to listen when you, when you want to. Right. Yeah. I think with um, friends or like fringe friends, as it goes out, it's a little, can be a little bit harder. If it's a blatant lie, I might question them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And depending kind of the circumstance or who it is or what it is. And I have another family member that tends to exaggerate or the stories that they tell are not the stories of what actually happened when I'm actually there with them. And then they tell the story later and it's completely different. Um, but this family member, I'm like, it's just not, nothing's going to come from calling it out actually. So I just let it go. Sure. That is due to the lack of awareness or they may take it really personally or just. I don't um, think cognitively they would really get it. Yeah. There would be like defensiveness and a big emotional like hurt and confusion. And then it would happen again. Right. So you just kind of let it go. So it depends on your, I mean, going back to that, that article about therapists and, and, and clients, like it, it depends on your level of alliance with that person as well. Like if that's, if this is a close relationship, you more likely to call it out. If it's more of a distant relationship, 
it's like, eh, doesn't really matter that much to me. So if you're gonna lie, I guess you're gonna lie. Yeah, unless there's a pattern of behavior, in which case, like, I'm I'm okay to call it out. And mm-hmm. then therapeutically, if something's not really adding up, I'm gonna mention that and say, hey, this isn't adding up to me. Or you mentioned last time this, and now you're saying this, and I'm just a little bit confused. But being genuine and honest about my confusion because I find that when people are lying something's not adding up right yeah it's not adding up it just doesn't make sense so to be genuine about that and authentic from the therapeutic standpoint of something I'm missing something here and can you help me with that can you help me understand right exactly so it's not a you're lying it's I'm something I'm I'm missing something help me opposed to you're Sure. I'll I'll throw in a little parenting piece to this too, which is kids, kids lie. Oh, that's boundary pushing, right? Like how far can I get before? Like, where's my line? It's a natural developmental piece. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble. I think by the age of three, I've heard that kids can learn how to lie or start to lie. Totally. And it's normal. I mean, it's, it's, it's a normal part of development. And, and you talk about boundary pushing. Yes, it's oftentimes it is about uh, having some autonomy, you know, having a separate mind from the parents in some ways. It's like a, it's a developmental stage that people go through to know that I have the ability to deceive you if I want to. However, we also got to, as a parent, we want to let them know that's not always in their best interests, you know, or in, in, in the family's best interest. So um, I'm just thinking of a time a couple of weeks ago, I asked my kid to take the dog for a walk and then I had to go do something else. And I came back and said, Oh, were you able to walk the dog? He said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I walked the dog. So I look and the leash is in exactly the same place as when I left. And the kid is in exactly the same place as when I left. And it doesn't really look like anything has transpired here. Right. So I, I go to the dog and I say, so Lexi, how was that walk? You know, did you have a great walk? I mean, was that, did you have a fun time? And then in the dog voice, it's no, I didn't actually go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't go for any walk. What walk are you talking about? I'm like, Oh, Hey, I go to my kid and say, the dog says that you didn't go for a walk. You know, is the dog lying? What's going on here? And I kind of make it fun that way to, to, yeah. To get the kid laughing a little bit. And, you know, a- after a minute, he's like, oh, you're right. Yeah, I didn't go for a walk. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's go for the walk together, you know? So yeah. it's wow. a little something to point out. Like, there, I could come down with a heavy hammer and be like, you lied to me. And I think that that sort of thing in, from a parent to a child really only drives the behavior underground even more, you know, he's yeah. just going to work on being a better liar. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, talking with him, I'd, I'd rather, if he didn't take the dog for a walk, he says, Oh no, I haven't done that yet. You know, just let me know. Like, okay, well do it now or let's go together something like that. Right. Yeah. Just something to encourage even if it's not great news, I'd rather hear that than hear a lie, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm no expert on kids lying and or, and parenting stuff, but that's something I wanted to throw in there. No, it makes sense, right? 
because you're letting them know like, hey, I'm aware you didn't follow through on the thing you said you were going to and see, I'm not losing it. I'm not yelling, I'm not screaming, I'm not freaking out. It's safe to tell me that you didn't follow through. Right. Yeah. And if you yes, don't tell me, yeah. the dog yeah. will, you know. Yeah. 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 And P.S. you're grounded for uh, for a week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I like that approach a lot. Yeah. They're very creative. Well, there's not always a dog to, huh. to, to help me out, but, you know, sometimes. Yeah. You can use like other objects, like Mr. Plant. <laughs> right. right. So, do his homework. No, yeah. Can't. Yeah. His kids are like, Dad's losing it. That's I know. It. <laughs> He's talking plants. They're already well aware of that. I'm pretty sure. Dog works. <laughs> That's good. Chris, did you find anything on that book, or is that a? Uh... No, and I did. Yeah, I just uh, skimmed it really quickly. So I'm probably not going to do it justice. But I think the, the gist of it is there's a lot of information out there, questionnaires and surveys that are done in the general population. And they cross-reference that with Google searches and online data. So I think uh, there's a discrepancy there in terms of, of certain behaviors. So it could be a lot of it's focused on sex or pornography, um, maybe racial views, for instance. Um, how much you drink, information about that, productivity at work. Like, so they see some mis mismatches there. Okay. So yep. that makes sense. That looks interesting. Could be a future book club for us. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, by the way, we do have a book club coming up, don't we? We do. We do. Not we do. On, the week after, two weeks. It's on siblings. Have you all started the book? I got the book. It's in my possession. I haven't yeah. started reading it. Yeah, I started it a long time ago, but yeah, I'm probably going to restart again from the beginning. So no, not yet. Oh yeah, Chris, I've read the whole book. <laughs> is that is that true, Mr. Plant? <laughs> um, no, I haven't read the book. The first chapter is really interesting. Um, you read the whole first chapter? Yeah, yeah. I listened, listened to it. But uh, it really goes off in a direction I didn't expect. But then it, it kind of brings it back to the sibling situation. But I'm like, what is this book actually based on? But uh, everyone's going to have to read the book to understand what I'm talking about. Or at least the first chapter anyway. Great. What's the title again? Sibling Effect. Sibling effect, right on. I will read it. I haven't yet, but I will. No lying, telling the truth. Well, I think we did justice to this topic. Thank you guys for your insights and for being honest about them and not lying to me about it. <laughs> Appreciate that. They're all very forthcoming. Yeah, it was a great topic. I know we kind of jumped around a little bit there just based on the thoughts that popped into our minds, but I think we covered a lot of bases. I think so. I think so. It's a big, big topic that we we address in everyday life all the time. We didn't even get into like things like, you know, lying 
political lies or, you know, disinformation uh, about various things, conspiracy theories, all that kind of stuff. But there's all sorts of different uh, ways of, of tackling this issue of lying. So, so, okay, I guess that's it for now. So we'll say goodbye and we will like and subscribe. Do it. Don't don't lie to me. Really, like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Send your questions in PokemonLoopCamp.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram. Tell a friend or two. No lying. That's it. Good night, everybody. Bye now. Thank you.